Hebrews chapter 4, pretty familiar verses hopefully, but Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says this, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm going to read them one more time. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for the encouragement of your word. Thanks that we can gather at the beginning of the week to hear your word and to encourage each other with your word. Holy Spirit, I pray you just speak to us this morning. Use your word to help us, and that we would apply it to our lives. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Words. I just read words. And words matter. Words matter matter. This is what God gave us. This is the Word of God. When you open the Bible and you read it, it is God speaking to you. It's the Word of God. And words matter, and words help us. And words also hurt us, and the truth is words also hound us. I mean, there are words that people have spoken to you in your life um, 30 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Those words still help you today. And there are words that people spoke to you uh, 15, 30, 40, 50 years ago, uh, depending on how old you are, in your life, and those still hurt you today because words have that kind of power. God knew it, and words they can hound us. Vanitha Reisner, an author I like to read, she, she said this recently. She goes, This pandemic has brought out the worst in me. I'm irritable, self-focused, and impatient, more than usual, that is. My life, which isn't the most exciting on the best of days, is even more limited, and I miss the regular interaction with my friends. And on top of that is all these words that we keep um, hearing in our own lives. And, the, and, and words that have come up in the last uh, few months and last few weeks even that you've heard, you've probably said, or you've noticed coming out of your mouth in your head even as you speak them or hear them is words of just frustration or fear or anxiety on the negative side, but also You've probably heard helpful words, too, that there's hope and peace. All of those words matter. And when it comes down to the questions of our lives and the words that we hear and the self-talk that goes into our heads, then we know that words matter. We know that words help us and words hurt us, and it's words that we're hearing right now all over the place that have that 
power. For us as Christians, words pop into our heads, and maybe have, where you have to ask yourself, and as you look around and see your own world, and the words you're speaking into it, you wonder with words, maybe consciously, spoken out loud, or to your head, does God know? And does God care what I'm going through? And is he going to do anything about it? Is, is, is he even aware of what's going on? Is he even offering to help us in the answer to those, that word, that question? Or whether it's a job situation, a family situation, a culture situation, a life situation, that, 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 that when that word pops up, does God care? And does God know? And is he going to do anything about it if he does care? When that word pops up, what's the answer? The answer, Scripture says, is yes. God knows and God does care. And Hebrews 14, 4, 14 through 16, in the midst of these exhortations to Christians about warnings, about not entering into the rest of God, the, the first half of that chapter is these warnings, real warnings about what happens if Christians don't enter into the rest of God, the rest of God and then... He gives these words at the end, these words of encouragement. And those words are written to encourage believers against all that might discourage them. That's why those verses are there in the Bible. That's why God spoke them to us. He gave those three verses in the midst of exhortations and in the midst of warnings. He says, I'm going to give you some words to encourage you against all that might discourage you. And so we're just going to look at those three verses quickly in this way. We're going to help us confirm who has you as a Christian, consider his care for you, and to confidently keep coming to him. Confirm who has you, these verses are meant to do. They're to help you consider his care for you, and they're to give you a confidence that you can keep coming to him. First, confirm who has you. Verse 14, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. This is what we have. Of, of, of everything that he said up to this point, he has, since then, everything I just told you matters because since then, we, this is what we have as followers of Christ, as believers, as Christians. We have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens. We have, if you're a Christian, what you have, you have this great connector. That's what the high priest, in a sense, was. He's, he's looking back to the, to the nation of Israel and to the, the, the law in the Old Testament. If you look at Leviticus 16, speaking of the Day of Atonement, where there was the high priest, his responsibility on that day was to help connect people who were alienated from God from their sin, the high priest would come, he would go outside to people, he would make a sacrifice outside, and people would see it. He'd sacrifice an animal. And then he would enter into the Holy of Holies, out of sight of the people. They wouldn't know what's going on inside there. They, they would tie a rope around them with bells at the bottom, so if something happened, if he went in there in an unholy way, and, and he, would be, he, he, he would die, and they would have to drag him out. So he'd make a sacrifice outside so people could see, and he would go inside out of their sight, and he would make the sacrifice for them so that they can be connected to God. 
And the Bible says that Jesus is greater than any of the high priests that helped connect people to God. Jesus is our great high priest. He is the great connector. Jesus is greater than them all. This is who, this is who has you. If you're a Christian, the one who has you is the one who can connect you to God, greater than any high priest that ever was. He went and was the sacrifice for us. He's the great connector that we can be connected to God and, and know that, that he never doesn't have to keep doing it. Every year, the high priest would have to do it. Every year, he would have to go at the Day of Atonement and do this year after year after year when Jesus, who is our high priest, when he did it once, it was done. And we can be connected forever to God. Jesus is that. And we need to know that. You need to know that. He's our connector. He's also this great conqueror. He passed through the heavens. The high priest would pass through these different, little, these different sections of the temple, and he'd go in through. Jesus, when he died, rose again for our sins, he passed through the heavens. He went directly right into the throne of God. And then he got there. He didn't stay standing, the Bible says. He sat down at the right hand of the Father, and it was done. It was finished. And that's where he is today. He is this unbelievable conqueror. And because of that, Romans 8 is true. Who is to condemn us? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. We're super conquerors is what that word means. Through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is who has you. This great connector and this great conqueror where, where nothing can touch you outside of his plan. And he is also our great creator. He, it says, this is who you have. It's Jesus, the Son of God. This is what the Bible says who Jesus is in Colossians 1, 16 and 17. It says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and in invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. That's who has you. That's why it says, this is who you have, so let's hold fast our confession. That's who has you. Confirm who has you. He's our connector to God, the Father. He's our, he's our conqueror. He's the creator who came in human form, took on human form, and he's remained in human form. This is, the reality is that Jesus is still 100% God, but he's still 100% human. He totally gets us. And then we're called to confess that. This is how you confirm who you are. We, we confess it. Let us hold fast our confession. If you want to shipwreck your life, don't confess Christ. 
This is how you confirm who you are. As you look at your life and say, is Jesus who he is? He's, he's my connector. He's my conqueror. He's my creator. Then we hold fast that confession, even if it doesn't seem like we can see him being our connector, our conqueror, and our creator. This is who he is. And we, we, we confirm that by our confession. Why did you wake up this morning as a follower of Jesus Christ? It's not because you held yourself to God all night. It's because Jesus has done that for you. This is what you possess, so confirm who you are. When it's dark and you're confused, go back and confirm who you are. This is who we have. We have this great conqueror, this great high priest, this connector, this creator who's continually human, who understands what we are going through. And then it says, confess it and then consider why that's true. Consider his care for you. For, for we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but in every respect has been tempted as we are. Jesus is human in heaven. He's our great high priest, which means he knows what it's like to be us because he is one of us. So he's He's not unable to sympathize with us. He is able to sympathize with us. He has unceasing compassion of Jesus. That's what it means to consider his care for you. Consider the unceasing compassion of Jesus. He he can sympathize with us, which means to suffer with. Even now, he's able to still suffer with. I mean, look at all the times when you read Jesus' life. How many times he would see people and say, he turned and he had compassion on them. Nobody else would have compassion on them, but Jesus would turn and, and he had compassion on them. So he did this. He had compassion on them and he did this. And he did that not just as God. He did that as 100% human with the same emotions, feelings, and stress and situations that we do. Because that's what it means. He is un, he's not unable to sympathize with us. He is able to sympathize with us. He can suffer with us. He has unceasing compassion. I mean, consider your compassion on, on the scale. Of, if you ask the, what the world would say is, who's the most compassionate person um, in, in our context and pop culture? To most people, if you toss some names out and you said, you know, who's compassionate? Who's compassionate in the world? Mr. Rogers would probably be on the, the list. Fred Rogers. I mean, that guy had compassion. He changed a nation by his compassion. And if you take the other scale, like, so who would be on the other far side? Um, I came up with the Boko Haram, who are just terrorizing Nigeria. Nobody would say. The leader of Boko Haram, who's telling people to kidnap girls and destroy churches, and is compassionate. That's a human, two human perspectives. You have Fred Rogers on one side, Boko Haram on the other. Where would you put yourself on the scale of compassion? Where would you place yourself in that situation? And Jesus tops Fred Rogers all day long. Jesus has unceasing compassion. This is how his, his care for you. And it's this unrestrained witness of, witness of Jesus. For he's able to be with us in our weaknesses. Psalm 139 says, there's no place I can go that God's not there. If I, if, I, if I go into the heavens, he's there. If I go under the sea, he's there. There's no place that you can go that God is not there. And that means because Jesus can understand our weakness and sympathize, suffer with us in them, we need to consider his care for us. He has unbelievable compassion and it's unrestrained witness. He's always with you. 
He he is with you even when you are not with him. I I had a conversation a couple weeks ago with somebody who was just frustrated in a good way with just where they were going in their Christian life and the the stumble they were having with words that people were saying and things they were seeing on the internet and they're they're just getting frustrated with it. and, And it was good. And they were confessing it, which was good. And then they said this, they said, you know, right now I feel like if Jesus was to walk past me right now, I wouldn't even recognize him. The reality is, you might not be able to recognize Jesus if he walked right past you, but because Jesus is who he is in his compassion and his unrestrained witness, Jesus would never walk past you. He would walk right up to you. If you're so angry and frustrated and think God's abandoned you, like, I, I just don't feel like I'm doing well spiritually. I failed him again. Uh, I, 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 just, I did it again. I failed him. I failed him. How could God love me? There's no way that Jesus is for me. The reality is Jesus has unrestrained witness. He understands what it means to be tempted. He understands what it means to get busy. and He understands your life, and he would not walk past you. Jesus would just walk right up to you and say, Hey, you missed me. I saw you the whole time, though. This is how, this is his care for us. It's unrestrained. He's with us. And it's because it's of an unstained person. In every respect, he was tempted like we are, yet without sin, which is why Jesus can help us. He went through everything. Maybe not in the specific detail that we may go through, But he went through every type of temptation that is possible, and he went through it without sin. He was unstained in it, which is unbelievably significant for us as Christians when we are struggling to consider how much God cares for us. Because the reality is, C.S. Lewis said, when Jesus walked through temptation as a 100% human, and he felt all the impulses to sin like we did, when that happens to us, we may fight it for a while, right? We may, we may put it off for a couple minutes or a couple hours, and it just keeps coming and keeps coming, and sometimes it gets heavier and heavier and harder and harder, and eventually for us as Christians, we fail. We drop and say, oh, it got me. Jesus never dropped. When the waves of temptation came to Jesus, and the harder and harder and harder and harder they came, he took it all. He took them all, and not one time did he ever waver. So he totally knows He has actually experienced temptation stronger than we ever have because we never make it through the whole strength of temptation. We give in. We fail. We sin. Jesus took the whole brunt of the temptation. He felt it all and was out without sin. So he's unstained in it, which means he understands it better than we do, and he can help us with it because he's compassionate, because he's unrestrained in his witness. There's nothing you can do where he's going to say, If you're a follower of Christ and you're in Christ, that he's going to say, that's it, I'm done with you. It's not going to happen. He's just going to keep coming to you. He's going to keep coming to you. Even if you don't see it, he's the one that's coming true. So consider his care for you. That's why that great hymn is good, moment by moment. Never a trial that he is not there. Never a burden that he doth not bear. Never a sorrow that he doth not share. Moment by moment, I'm under his care. Never a weakness that he doth not feel. Never a sickness that he cannot heal. Moment by moment, Jesus, my Savior, abides with me still. Do you believe that? When you've been praying for something for months and it hasn't come through? Or when you keep getting knocked out by temptations and you get back up and you say, God, forgive me, and you're like, I don't know if he's going to do it anymore. 
Do you really believe that your Savior abides with you still? Because He does. This is what Hebrews is saying. If we lose that, Satan's going to come in with all kinds of words, and the evil one's going to come in with all kinds of words, and you will drift and make shipwreck, possibly, of your faith. So we, we confess it, and we consider his care for us, and then we confidently can just keep coming to him. Let us then, because these things are true, because we have this great high priest who took every temptation, he didn't give in to any of it. He felt it all. He did it with an unstained way. He, he's, he's unbelievably compassionate. He can suffer with us. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. Let's hold fast and draw near. Why does it say that? Why does it say hold fast and draw near? Why is that the thing? Because we're weak. Weakness is what marks us as human beings, isn't it? We don't like to admit it, but deep down, that's, that's what marks us. We're not sure what's going to happen. I can't control the situation. What if it doesn't go this way? Those are all words of weakness to us. And weakness that demonstrates we aren't, we aren't it. But what we need to know is that weakness is a regular place for God's people. Look at Scripture. And weakness is always the regular place for God's people. Joseph was in a weak place. Ruth was in a weak place. Naomi was in a weak place. Elijah was in a weak place. It's regular as a Christian to be in a weak place. That's where, the, that's where God's people regularly are. So if you're in a situation you're like, I'm just like, I don't see God's hand in this. I can't figure out what the direction is. I just feel weak. Hold fast and draw near because the weak place is where God's people are often are, and, and the regular places are where God loves to work in and through his people. When you say, I got this, I can handle this, I, I, I can figure this out, you're almost putting yourself away from where God wants to work. He wants you in that weak place, so you will hold fast and draw near, because that's, God loves to work in regular weak places for his people. So we confidently keep coming to him. Let us, let us with confidence, which really means this is open speaking. This is, that word is like, this is bold frankness. Like confidence is like, I know who has me. I know how much he cares for me. I don't have any idea what's happening, but I'm going to just confidently say, God, help me. That's what that word is. It's bold frankness with confidence draw near and receive. Receive from him. You might not see Jesus yet that way. You might be someone, even here this morning, who has been trying to do it your own way in the guise of religious, spiritual stuff. But as you're looking at this, hearing this is who God is, our high priest, what Jesus is, is that true? For you, the confident thing to do is maybe just to receive them for the first time. Maybe, as I heard someone say, that the phrase that people like to use now is, I just read this yesterday, someone's talking about their life, and they say, I buried my truth for so long. Everybody talks about my truth. 
Well, maybe the truth that is yours is your truth is you've never fully accepted Christ as your Savior. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You've never come to a point where you say, you know what? I'm weak. I can't do it on my own. It's more than just adding God to my life. It's giving God my life. For you to come confident to God with boldness and frankness is to say, Jesus, I need you. I want you in my life. Forgive me of my sin, and I want you to lead my life and receive him. Come confidently. Because who he is, he cares for you, he'll always receive you. And maybe, though, if you're a Christian, we just need to keep returning, repeatedly returning to him. Keep returning repeatedly. It may be weeks of silence. It may be months where you don't see God move. And if for a moment you feel that God has left you, or if for a moment you think that I've done it now, he's not going to chase me down, it's not true. If you're in Christ, it's not true. He understands your weakness. He, he sympathizes with it. He, he feels your weakness. And we just need to keep returning to his weakness. It's remarkable words that change lives. The gospel is news for us. Not just those who don't know Christ. It's good news for us who do know Christ. Words are powerful. Beneath a Reisner when I read her words about the pandemic has brought the worst out of me, she shared with her powerful words of somebody named Rika Thurman who lives in South Africa, even this morning. When she was 16 years old, she suffered with severe myelagic emmy. I can't even say it. But it's for almost 40 years now. She has suffered with debilitating neurological disease that infects her entire body. She, she can't even, it's bone-crushing fatigue constantly. Every single day, all of her life, it has terrifying brain problems with it. There's constant muscle and joint pain and nerve pain. 24-7, constantly in her life, this woman living with her parents who are in their 80s, a former pastor, who has another special needs child. They still live there. Every morning, she wakes up with this. From the time she was 16 years old, Rika never has had any remission. It's been constant, over and over and over. But what she has got around her with some Christian friends, and Johnny Erickson is one of them, and they these, these deep sufferers who are followers of Christ, who are regularly in pain. And they write to each other. And Rika... What she does in the few hours of her day when she can have some strength. She loves to read old truths and tweaks them a little bit and edits them and sends them out to these other group of deep sufferers who have prayed and who have prayed and prayed for God to bring them relief and God has not seen fit to bring them relief. He leaves them in their suffering, but they know that God has not left them. And she put out recently this truth from F.B. Meyer that she tweaked a little bit, and she said, this is from Rika. The soul that cannot accumulate a stock of grace, the soul cannot accumulate a stock of grace. It has no stores. From hour to hour, it is always on the edge of bankruptcy, but always supplied. So should we live. At every moment, giving all we have, never doubting about the supplies of the future. Bear pain for one moment at a time. There is patience enough in Jesus for the next moment. You cannot exhaust God. And your work is to be not in your might or power, but by his Holy Spirit. She wrote that 
sent it off her email and laid in her bed in pain. But she knew and confessed who had her. She considers his care for him, for her, and she confidently keeps coming to him. And the same is truth for us, whatever our situation is. If you're in Christ, confess who has you. Consider his care for you and confidently keep coming to him because you will receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need.
Sweet.